everyone. Welcome to yet another episode of Generation Zennial. Keith here along with Vinny, and we can definitely say, I suppose last week we said Joe Biden wins, question mark. He did win. It's official, as long as you listen to every single major news outlet in America and not fringe conspiracy theory sites that apparently only Donald Trump is now listening to. That's the problem, Keith. It's not official with everybody. Well, <laughs> it, may, it may be official with the people who matter, but... You know, it's official with the states that ran the elections. <laughs> yeah, that, you know, even, that's, uh, even that would be contested, but... Arizona, you know, they, every state that's been asked, the uh, New York Times ran the headline that there was no, uh, you know, no fraud. Um, they called up election officials in every single state across the country. So that's 50 for those of you keeping track, soon to be 51, possibly, uh, with Puerto Rico we'll voting to that. become a state. Well, they voted to become a state. So now there's a, obviously more behind that. It's going to take a longer time for that to happen. But yeah, every state said there was no nothing suspicious happening, no craziness. And even in the states where there's possible, quote unquote, you know, scandals, whatever, even if they win the lawsuit, the margin is so great at this point that it wouldn't change the result. No, and I don't think that's even the goal of the no, it's administration to, to actually change the results. It's just like we talk about all the time, it's building a narrative. And they're building this narrative that, that Joe Biden is an illegitimate president. And just that alone will just will hinder to any progress that he's going to try and make. Um, right. Not to mention that, you know, it looks like the Senate is going to stay with um, the Republicans. And the Republicans even gained house in the, in, uh, seats in the House, which is, I thought was uh, pretty scary. Yeah, they, they, they gained some ground in the House. The Democrats still hold the majority. Um, was listening to reporting about that recently and saying that, you know, going into the election, the strategy from the Democratic side was they were trying to avoid the door-to-door thing because they were trying to be conscious of the coronavirus and everything. And they, they're look, retrospectively, they're thinking that might have actually hurt them a little bit because Republicans did canvas. They went door-to-door. They had more interactions with people. So the ground game could have really played a difference in some of those, uh, some of those elections, possibly. Yeah, I just don't think you usually see an election where you have such a repudiation of one member of the party, you know, running for president and then gaining seats in the House and and doing pretty well in the Senate. I mean, I think the Democrats are going to end up flipping one seat. Is that am I wrong on that? Maybe. Uh, well, both. So both. There's two seats up for the runoff in Georgia. Right. So all eyes are in Georgia right now because that election, you know, there's, there's two seats up in the air and they're both in Georgia and they can go either way. So if the democratic party can get enough mobilization down in Georgia to get enough votes out there, you could get them to get two blue seats in the Senate and now you'd have a 50, 50 Senate. Right. And I, yeah, I think that's um, nice pie in the sky thinking from Democrats. I just, <laughs> I just don't think it's going to happen. Um, I'm still surprised that, that Biden did this well in Georgia. I'm still surprised that Biden's probably going to win Georgia. They're doing a hand recount, I believe, as we speak. Right. Well, they announced that they're going to do a recount, like, I think, day two, on Thursday last week. Yeah. Because it was so close already there. It's really close there. And And that was before any lawsuits from the administration or anything. So let's not give the administration or Trump himself any credit for that because they had already announced that preemptively before anyone said it, which is – Kudos to them, but hand counting. Oh man. <laughs> yeah. I mean, how many votes in Georgia? Something a lot. Like, 
I forgot. I don't have the map up anymore on my screen. Yeah, a couple million. So, um, and, yeah. and so every county has until I think next Wednesday is the date to report on those. Yeah, and then the runoff I believe is January fourth. And then you know what's funny is the the person in charge of the elections in Georgia. Not funny, but. Um, just a sign of our times. He's actually quarantined right now because his wife tested positive for COVID. Well, you can join the rest of the Trump administration because <laughs> it seems like every every day there's a new case in the. Well, in the they had they had you know how many people at the White House on election night inside for their festivities, um, so and then you know you have people coming out there of that testing positive. Shocker, shocker! You have 400 people at an event, and now you have people trickling out testing positive. It's like, come on. Have we not learned our lesson from the, well, obviously. Obviously not. not anyone, question. We're not, yeah, because that's the thing. We're not learning our lesson. It's, no. Cases, cases are skyrocketing again. I mean, skyrocketing. I, I didn't realize, I actually, I actually didn't realize how bad it was until, until I just recently looked and I didn't, I didn't know the numbers were coming up so fast. It, it is, oh, you know, for the past week where I live in Connecticut, you know, we're, we were like this little bubble that was red all around us, red and orange, and we were still like beige or white, whatever the color scheme is. And then yesterday we went red. So we were holding out and like, oh, how are we still not like even orange, which was amazing. Like, are someone not just not reporting things? I don't know what's going on. Um, Earlier in the week, our superintendent for schools sent out an email changing the schedule up. So our high school is going fully online for the next month. Our middle school is going half and half, like they're alternating. And then elementary school is going to be like the next two weeks are in person, like they're keeping the same schedule. Then a week after that, they're going online for two weeks and then coming back. So they're going to start alternating. Uh, the main reason for a lot of school districts in Connecticut anyways, is again, it's not really the students um, because the students, I mean, the science is still showing that younger individuals aren't really getting effective as much as older individuals. And it's on that sliding scale there. But what's happening is a lot of the staff is getting infected. So you have school systems, they just don't have enough staff to keep a building open. So that's why high school is going completely remote because older students should theoretically be able to handle that learning aspect a little bit better than younger students. They need the more interactive. So our superintendent, she, she basically was like, our goal is to keep the younger kids in as long as possible because they need it more than the older kids and we're, we're spread thin for staff. So we're trying to concentrate staff in one direction over another. Yeah, there's a lot of risk risk of reward assessment that, that you have to do in these kind of situations. And it, it's a tough call because, you know, um, that's, that is the that is the one thing. You know, um, like I said, cases are skyrocketing, but that seems to still be kind of lower than they than they were. I think we you know, we are treating it better. And I, but I think that's going to lead people to have some kind of false sense of security. I, I agree. And that's, yep. and that's right. And that's what I worry about. It's like, oh, well, it's not oh, as many people but, are dying, so it's not that big of a deal. Meanwhile, cases are just going through the roof, and eventually, you know, it's gonna it's gonna catch up. Yeah, we oh we we know how to treat it better yet. So if I get sick, it's not that big a deal. Is it's that's a bad mentality for anyone to have right now? Because you know, um, I think it's uh, Ohio, right? They're they're talking about doing a, a lockdown because they're at capacity in their hospitals, and you know. I was hearing an interview with um, a medical staff from one of the hospitals yesterday on the news. And one of the things that they use, one of the machines is also the same machine they have to use uh, during heart surgeries. So if you 
are at a hospital and all everyone's on COVID, you know, they're using these machines and the respirators and all that, and you come in with a heart problem, you can't have an operation now. So people forget the trickle effect of like, well, if we're using all these resources to fight the COVID, um, what are all the ramifications from people down the line that they're now not going to be able to get the treatment from, you know, simple procedures, you know, heart, heart, you know, heart surgery sounds like a big deal. And it is, um, my father's had four of them. So the good thing is that they're getting very good at it and it's, you can do it safely and recover from it, but you need the machines. And if you don't have the machines, there's no heart surgery and people are going to die. Right. And from and you, not have, COVID. Right. You, have per, you have peripheral risks. Right. That yeah, people aren't even going to recognize. So that's that's a great point. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's that's what I really worry about is that this this COVID fatigue that people talk about. And I think for the most part, a lot of I mean, there were a good number of people who didn't really care about it enough to begin with. Now you have people who are just who are just tired of it, basically, and they don't not, they don't really care anymore. And that's that's not a that's not a good position to be in. <laughs> Like right. I'm, I'm tired not, of it, but that, I'm, right. We're all, I mean, everyone's tired of it. Everyone's tired of dealing with it. Everyone's tired of, I'm uh, tired right. of like having to think about it every single moment when I do something, you know, I come in, I got my hand sanitizer here, spray my hands when I get to my office, clean my hands off every time I sit down at my computer, you know, I, it's, it's habitual now. I've used half this jar in three weeks, <laughs> you know? Um, and uh, I, you know, I've actually, I've even heard things that there's, there's even more runs on things like toilet paper and, and hand sanitizer. And, you know, pretty soon that that's going to be an issue again. We're going to be out of stock and stuff like that. But, you know, uh, it, it's, it's tough because people, people are sick of dealing with it. And I, I'm worried that they're going to get to the point where they're just going to say, <laughs> I was going to say, wash their hands of it, but that's, <laughs> I would, I would be, I would hope they would wash their hands. That's, that would help yeah, a lot. That's a good, that's a, that's a, that's a, that's a good thing. Right. So, um, but yeah, you know what I'm trying to say? It, it, it's, it, that's my biggest concern is that people are just tired of dealing with it and they're just going to go to a point where they're not, we're not going to handle it the way we should be handling it. And that's just going to make things worse. Well, you know, I, you, we talk about the especially, with the holiday, especially with the holidays coming up. Well, speaking of holidays, let's think about where the spikes coming from. We're, we're less than two weeks out from Halloween. Let's think about where, where that spike, the, the spike that just made states go completely red. You know, people were getting tired, as you said, the fatigue of it. And um, I have reports from students that I trust talking about how there were lots of Halloween parties over the weekend. Oh, of course. So it's like, the, you know, you got kids across and adults probably across the spectrum that said, F it, we've been locked up so long, we're going to go do this. And, you, you know, know we've, talk, we've talked about this, us being quote unquote, responsible adults <laughs> um, compared like what if I was if I was 18, 19, 20, 21 years old, I, I can't I can't pretend I wouldn't be still going out and still having parties and still right. doing what I'm doing because, you know, that's what you do at that age. And that's it's almost I, the mentality. Of, nothing's going to stop me. So right, you don't think about the consequences no. of those those actions because you got you got your whole life to worry about consequences. What do you think about them? You don't care about it. <laughs> Yeah. it's not it's it's that it's not going to happen to me mentality right whereas i think you get older and you realize that you know you see enough cases of things where you never thought something could happen to you happens to somebody that thought that something couldn't happen to them and right you realize it happens oh, it does happen these things can happen to people but so the, yeah the world the world this isn't this isn't going to be over anytime soon with the holidays coming up uh, i think we're going to see more spikes 
New York just put new restrictions in, but you can't enforce these restrictions, right? How do you, how do you say you can't have more than 10 people in your house? What are the, so, the, the police going to be outside saying count, count my heads? Yeah, and, and there's no, and there's no um, consequences. I don't, I don't think there's, you know, it's not like they're going to start finding people or throwing people in jail for. It's kind of weird that, that New York parties. said consequences because Lamont in Connecticut basically said guidelines. He's like, these are the guidelines for gatherings, you know, and it's more of a, I think Cuomo's trying to be a little, a little tougher on, you know. Right, but like you said, how do you, how do you enforce how many people are in your house? Are you exactly. going to go around and do a police? You, you got to throw people in jail. Are we going to have like, are we going to do policing, kind of like the drug state? It's like, come on, yeah. you're just going to, you're going to go around That's finding why you just people. Use the language, right? You use the you use the language of, of, of the scary language that, that right, might, but then, that, might but that might scare enough people. But no, no, people you know what that does. It. It's an animosity because I see it from people I know that live in New York and I'm, I'm scrolling through the social and all they do is they're mother effing him because how are you going to, you know, do this and blah, blah, blah. And there's like one meme of like his head peeping through a window. Oh, look who's coming to Thanksgiving. So it's like he's, he's making himself a, a, an enemy really by saying you have to do this. Um, not saying people are the love of Lamont anymore in Connecticut, but I just think it, some of the times it goes to verbiage, you know, I think Cuomo you, stopped caring about whether or not people like him. Cause I'm not sure if he's going to run for reelection. Uh, <laughs> I'm pretty sure he's hoping for a cabinet position in the Biden administration. Well, I don't know about that. No, he, so. he turned it down. Did he? Cause there was, there was talk. Yeah, we'll see. <laughs> well, Cuomo was, Cuomo was a character. Like, uh, you know, he's, he's, I remember like a month, you know, a couple months ago, something like, it was proposed that Hugh was uh, in consideration for the attorney general position, but then like oh, that's, read, that's before the election, though. I read, I read an article that said you know he he was going to turn it down. Yeah, that's that's that was before the election. I don't know if I trust that. <laughs> Cuomo, Cuomo Cuomo is a politician, right? Cuomo is a career politician, yeah. and and the one thing that politicians are really good at are not showing their hand, right? So they'll say a lot of things like, ah, oh, you know, I'm, I'm here for, I'm here for the state. This is, this is, I'm here, I'm the governor of New York. This is what I'm doing. Right. And then all of a sudden that, that, that job pops up. <laughs> and you're like, well, well you, you know, know yeah, maybe. I know what I said, but, but you know, this is going to be better for me and, and everyone, and everyone will forget it. It's not like no one, no one, no one in New York state is going to miss Andrew Cuomo. That's for no. sure. I don't think anyone, even, you know, even the diehard liberal Democrats are, Okay. Yeah, well, just, they're gonna they're gonna find a replacement for Andrew Cuomo. That's that yeah. that won't be that won't be difficult. No, not in New York. And like you said, he he's not he's not super popular. I think I think he's doing a lot of good things. Um, he got hammered on obviously the the nursing home. Issue. I don't think anyone named Cuomo is popular. So Mario Cuomo was immensely popular. I guess though. so. Like, yeah, but then they got everyone's getting upset. Oh, I can't believe you're gonna rename the Tappan Zee Bridge after him. He was immensely popular. He was an immensely popular politician. Like, you know, even especially for for a Democrat, and you know, living living in lower upstate New York. Do we have to rename the tap though? I like I just like calling it the tap. You can still call it the Tappan Zee Bridge if you want. No the sign still says Tappan Zee Bridge. <laughs> Does it? I think one of the signs leading up to it still says Tappan Zee. Like, I don't think they changed all. The oh, signs. like the road signs. Yeah, yeah, yeah the road signs. Actual, like, uh, yeah, 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 probably. They they haven't really changed the road signs. Um, but it is technically a brand new bridge. It's not the same bridge, so it's not yes, like the, I mean, the bridge. It's a no, brand, new bridge. brand new bridge. It's, it's a it is a beautiful bridge. It is a nice bridge, and that bridge had issues. I don't know if you oh my god over that bridge a lot. Yeah, but. well, my brother-in-law lives just on the other side, over in Nyack. Well, no, Rockland. Okay. Now. He lives in Rockland now. So yeah, we 
travel over there. Well, when we when we visited people, <laughs> right? Back in, we would, back in we the would, before times. In the before times, we would definitely try, drive over that bridge. So yes, I'm very familiar with that bridge. Um, I, I do. <laughs> I remember being when I was young for the first time going over that and seeing like the uh, their jersey barriers with the big machine that moves the jersey barriers back and forth. <laughs> You know, because they're all the small ones and the, the machine just drives over and just shifts them from one side to the other. Yeah. I was like, that is so cool. Also, so stupid now that we think about it. Because <laughs> we didn't make a bridge big enough to accommodate all the traffic. Well, uh, yeah, I mean, I don't, I'm not sure what year that bridge was built, but. Oh, well, you know. It's uh, a huge it, bridge, too. Like, it, it's like one of the, one of the like, biggest spans they could find. Oh, I the think. span, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> The, the span of the bridge is huge. It just wasn't wide enough to accommodate the traffic coming across so it. That, but, you know, uh, thinking, <laughs> totally off topic here. But yeah, most, we got to talk about, about a bridge. I don't know. It's gonna, I was just going to say most highways, especially in the Northeast, were never built big enough to accommodate future traffic because they were like you take the Merritt Parkway when it was built way back in the 50s or whenever or right. 40s and 50s. It was, you know, people had one car in the house. Only one person went to work. Yeah, that thing that thing could be used. You could use, uh, you know, an extra two lanes. <laughs> yeah, but no, no, it's historical, so you can't do anything to it. Right. And now you got a problem. It's like uh, it's, it's, and if you do, you have to go through every single overpass and rebuild every overpass, which isn't impossible. I mean, part of the uh, turnpike. No, was it the turnpike or was it? Yeah, I think part of the Jersey Turnpike did a huge expansion a couple of years back. Well, maybe if Trump passes trillion dollar the infrastructure bill let's build it where's that infrastructure week yeah it's it's along with the health care plan maybe you know what Jan with Trump care. <laughs> january 15th 2021 he's gonna come out and be like i got this plan. I, got it, I, I, finally, I finally got it why didn't you guys listen to me it's like that kid that hands the homework in the last day of class like <laughs> i got it i got <laughs> it and it's like well this is worth a c i guess <laughs> You passed the class, um, but good luck with you in life. That's, that would actually be pretty hilarious. I mean, it's obviously never going to happen. Oh, at this point, it, here's the real travesty um, with what's going on right now. It's like you have Trump basically hunkered in in the White House, surrounding himself with yes men and very few people that are even trying to talk him into reality. And he's focused on this one thing, and he's not doing anything – He's not doing his job. I mean, not that he ever really did his job before. Yeah. But now, everything's yeah. just locked. There's no, you know, because McConnell had uh, adjourned the Senate until after the election, you know, a couple weeks ago, the 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 here the Heroes Act was never going to get passed. Then now, even if the Senate and you know if the Congress comes to a, a bill and passes it, is Trump going to sign it? Um, well, he's not doing anything. Like I think he'll still he sign. I, I mean, I would hope he'd still I, sign. I would hope so. He's, I don't think he's going to be very active in you know as a president right now. Um, he's the lamest of ducks. I, yeah, I don't. I just don't know what his what his plans are, and that's I think what concerns me the most. Um, you know what 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 is Trump what does Trump do in the next what eight weeks or so? Um, before Biden officially takes office, you act like he uh, has plans. I'm still upset that he's that I'm not going to see a concession speech. And I, I, I mean, we talked about this last week, and I, I knew he wasn't going to concede. 
and he wasn't going to give a concession speech, but I still, I still want to hear what that, I just want to see what that looks like, right? I want to go to an alternate reality and see what that, what that even looks like, what Trump looks like being like, yeah, you know what? I lost. He's not going to do it, but I, I just want, I want to see it. I just, I just want to see that. I forget who it was. I, I read the article the other day. Um, it was a former staffer. I forget who it was now. But they're like, basically, hey, once he goes to Mar-a-Lago for Christmas, don't expect him to come back. Yeah. I can, tell, I can totally see that. <clears throat> it's fine. Stay stay there. Make Mar-a-Lago a sovereign nation. It might, it might be better for the country, to be honest with you. <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah, right? The president isn't doing his job. It might be better than for the country. That's That's sad, but it could be true. Um, but and also the, 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 the real scary part is though, you know, he has fired some people since the election day, he's gone on a firing spree. So is he trying to position more loyalists into his branches to help try to, you know, fight this fictitious, um, voter fraud thing and help prolong it, you know, cause you, you've seen it over the four, you know, four years, he's always been like ousting people that have been even questioning anything he does and just trying to find loyalists to put in those positions every single time. Yeah. And I think that's what scares a lot of people. Um, I know it scares me a little bit. This whole, the, the coup, the Trump coup. Um, I'm not sure if he's even like, he has no, obviously no legal chances, illegal now, but what, what is legal, right? What, what is, <laughs> if he's the president, can, you know, what can, can he, he do legally? Can and he pardon himself? With, with the, can he pardon himself? Well, even before that, like with the, with the six, three Supreme court, three people that he put on, uh, it's, it's, it's a little worrying. Right. And, you know, you think this is impossible, but how many impossible things has he done that you that you didn't think was going to happen. Like even getting elected, I didn't think it was for him was possible. And now, <laughs> yeah, when, when it comes to him, like later, I, don't, I don't put anything. You can't count anything out, right? You right. Really you can't count anything out. And I think absolutely. a lot of people are sitting back saying this is, and even us, we're like, yeah, this, is, this isn't going to happen. It can't happen. It's, it, 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 there's no way it's going to happen. But anything can happen with him. Anything can, anything can happen. Literally anything can happen. Like, I, I mean, I, I'm, you're trying to imagine like things that he could do. With these like even like holding up these recounts or like throwing out throwing out votes and then if it does get to the supreme court that's that's a scary thought like he put three people on there like it, right now to be fair to the supreme court it seems like they are ruling with some kind of like non-loyalist um ideologies right they are they are following what they think is the law at least you know, well, early, you know, the Obamacare is up in the court this week. And yeah, that won't get decided until the spring, though. Right, but early, early grumblings already seem like they're going to uphold it. Yeah, because they're they're realizing, well, at least they're saying, and I think John Roberts has, is, is, believe it or not, is you know saving a lot of this, um, being being the the, the, the justice. They're basically getting together and saying, listen, this isn't our job is not to write the laws, and this because. Congress couldn't overturn this act. They want us to do it. And that, that's not our role. Right. right. And that's they're true. Really, Cause they're really not coming. I don't think they're really coming with anything like that's saying that this is unconstitutional, right? You had the, um, the man, the, the mandate that got ruled a tax. So. 
Right. Yeah, they said you could they could use it as a tax, but you can't use it. They can't force people to buy it because that's not constitutional. But you know, it it is it is. And now you're not taking that people. away. So what are you fighting against? <laughs> right. So um, and then also too about you know I heard things about like piecemealing the law, and like we've already piecemealed the law, so it's not like you can just throw the whole thing out. Like we that's not right. That's not our role. And so much of it is you know they you know so many things about the law everyone likes across the board. We talked about this last week, I think, where, you know, if you poll any person and ask them about individual things within the law, they like it or they use it and it's something they use every day. So to start, it, just to strike it all down would hurt so many people um, on both especially sides now. of the aisle. Especially now, well, especially now right. during, during the middle of a global pandemic, <laughs> like taking away people's healthcare isn't, isn't really a good idea right now. Right, oh, we're gonna take away healthcare. Oh, by the way, now you have COVID, congratulations. Good luck. Now, it, it won't be COVID that kills you. It's going to be the crippling debt that uh, you can't afford to pay back, the hospital bills that saved your life. Which, which is which is still insane to me that that's even a thing, that that, that, that exists and exists a lot in this country is medical bankruptcy. It's just oh, never happened. There was a meme I saw yesterday that really kind of hit the nail on the head with this one. It's like, you know, they always say how in Europe people live longer and they drink wine every day. Oh, actually, it was universal health care that was causing it the whole time i saw that too because i think you posted it yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i was just like i see i saw that too i was like oh, wait, oh yeah, yeah it's my it was my feet yeah, yeah. <laughs> i was like yeah it's funny how when you have universal health care when people have access to health care they live longer well and also too it, it helps everybody is, down the stream too. the country is incentivized to keep people healthy yeah when you're when the country has to pay for healthcare, you you put policies in place that incentivize people to be healthy because you don't want you don't want that cost. Where here in the United States, it's basically that individualism where it's like it's up to you to be healthy. Like we're not like we're not going to create any policies to, to keep people alive. That's your responsibility. If you want to go, uh, I shouldn't say go kill yourself, but if you want to go be unhealthy and, and and get sick that that's that's your choice and if you have to pay for that consequences that's the consequences of your actions where people don't realize how that something like that can can build on itself and and increase the cost of healthcare and affect other people right that's that's the one thing in this, in this country that we don't we don't do a very good job of is how our actions affect other people we don't right. really think about that because it's not our responsibility my, my my actions aren't your responsibility where even though even though that um declining the phone call that i'm getting yeah sorry exactly. <laughs> um keeping this in i'm not editing anything out that's fine you know what i'm saying so yeah your action how your actions or my actions can, can affect each other isn't really something that we we think about right because it's your your that individual responsibility ideology that that really told us back from from things like universal health care or at least or at least policies that that keep people healthy. Right. Well, and, and, you know, also, if you think about it, if the government, I was thinking about this as you started your thing, that if the government um, is paying, you know, we have universal health care that's government subsidized, however you pay for it, um, do the math. I don't really care how the math works. But if you keep everyone healthy, that means if you're, if you're, if your main goal, if you're a capitalist, your main goal is to have a good economy, guess what healthy people do? They can work. Sick people can't work. 
they, the sick people are going to use resources. If you are preemptive and you can have people can go and get their yearly checkup, find things early, you spend less money on healthcare because you have healthy people and then healthy people are contributing to society in positive ways. Yeah, and you can say the same thing about a lot of things, especially something like education. The oh more God. educated your society is, the better off your society is gonna be, the more people are gonna have better jobs, the more people are gonna make money Less that, people are going to be in jail. In that circuit, less people are going to be in jail. No, 100%. Less people are going to yeah. be in jail. Less people are going to turn to crime. And that those have, those have effects on the, on the system, right? And right. again, that's not, not something we, we do very well in this country. We, our system is based on my actions are my actions, your actions are your actions. And whatever happens is, is that's just your responsibility to deal with it. It's a very libertarian so, way to look at it. <laughs> Right. <laughs> yeah. Like libertarians, like, well, personal responsibility. I take care of me. You take care of you. And that's it. I'll help it's you if not, you ask it's for help. Not a great, it's not a great system. It sounds oh. great, right? Because and, and that's the issue. It sounds great. It sounds amazing, right? Oh, I don't have to worry about anybody else but me. And as long as I do what I need to do, I'll be successful and I'll, I'll live a good life. But that's not the case. It's just not the way things work. You know, it's, it's, if you look at the history of civilization as a whole, even, like, we wouldn't be a civilization if that's the mentality we took from the beginning. You know, if you had one family over here walking, you know, through the forest and one family over there, and they just kept it being their own family the whole time, we would never create a civilization. But it's when those individual groups came together and decided, hey, if we hunt together, we can hunt bigger game and feed more people longer. And now, hey, we can till the fields together and we can share this labor that we became society. We, we only became a civilized people because we work together. I don't know why in this modern day we become individualism when we forget the fact that it's what, what working together is how we got to be a civilization in the first place. We wouldn't have cities and towns and, and anything we have around us if uh, our great, great ancestors, wait, I'm not going to say as many greats as it needs to be, but, you know, going back 10,000, even more years ago, didn't come together to work as a community. Yeah. And I, <laughs> I just uh, went way back. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, no, no. It's fine. And I'm just, yeah, I just, it's that, yeah, you're right. We wouldn't, we wouldn't be, we wouldn't be anywhere. We wouldn't have gotten anywhere if we didn't rely on each other. And, um, the, the more the more we can rely on each other the, the better off we'll be and i think right i think we need to start realizing that um people people just need to start realizing that I don't, and the problem is too is that people people do think of themselves as kind of collectivists even libertarians but their collectivism is within their defined circles mm -hmm. right it's whatever they feel that's like my my fam what's best for my family or what's best for you know, my coworkers or what's best, but it's not, it's everybody. And we have to start thinking like that. This is, we're not here. We're not alone. Right. There's, and, and other people's actions do, do reflect on, on your life. It's just the way, the way the world works. And we gotta, we have to recognize that we got way off time. It, you know, that's what, whatever topic there is, you know, our topic was how Trump is an idiot. <laughs> and I think that's every week's topic and it just devolves from there. And, and it's but, libertarianism. And the real, so going back to, I think something you said earlier is the real danger, is, the real reason why we need, I'll say the reason why we need a real concession, you know, again, we, we've talked many times how we probably will not get an actual concession, but the country needs a concession because 
if we don't have a real concession, you're going to have all these people that are trumpeters that are not going to accept the election results. Right, this is by to, design, right? This is and it's totally by design, and it's and it's what's going to hurt our country because what's going to happen? There, there's there's a couple scenarios: is that you know, Biden takes office, whatever that's that's going to happen. Um, but you're going to have a large part of the country that's still going to be upset about it, and you're going to have people within the Republican Party that are going to try try to continue to ride the Trump train, and then in four years, well, really in two years when the election, next election cycle starts, um, you're gonna have Republicans trying to ride Trumpism to become the next president. Or you might actually have Trump come back to ride it again, to be reelected for a second term four years down the road. Yeah. <sighs> Which is why he wants to pardon himself. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, because if he's Trump's in jail, not, he can't do that. And, let, and let's not let's not kid ourselves at all. I I don't think Trump is going to actually go to prison. Um, I mean, he probably should go to prison. Um, but we don't do a very good job of holding wealthy people accountable in this country. Let's say rich people don't go to jail; they stay. They get house arrest. Yeah, and even then, he'll, he'll run for president from his house. Uh, <laughs> and, <laughs> And still, and still get 70 million votes somehow. Because um, like I said, like he, you know, now he's... And I'll have a cooking show with Kanye West. This whole thing, this whole, this whole Trump coup is about delegitimizing Biden. Right. right. So now Mitch McConnell, who we talked about, is probably going to still lead the Senate. Everything that comes through, he can say, listen... We don't. We don't know. He's like we don't know if he's a legitimate president. Like, why are we going to trust anything he says? And he can just say that to the close to fifty percent of the people in this country. And those fifty percent of the people are are spread out across the country, right? And they have their their clusters, and the other fifty percent seem to have their little clusters. Because um, you look, you know, you look at the votes where the votes are located and it, 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 the country is still splitting apart, right? This is not, this is not the country coming together and vote and getting behind Joe Biden. No, like, there's still a lot of division in this country and that's only getting bigger. And what, you know, what is that going to look like in four years? Yeah. Oh, the only thing that happened was we had, we had more people mobilized to get out and vote because they were able to have easier access to voting. And that proved to be victory for Joe Biden. Um, but, well, I've, I've said it before, and I'll say it every time. The more democracy we have, the more liberalism is you're going to see, as opposed to conservatism. Now, I, I I agree with you on that one. Now, can we get to a point where we actually start getting towards a, a leftist ideology? That's going to take some time. But again, the more people you mobilize, and the more people are involved in democracy, and the more people you educate, it's it's a possibility, and it, that's that's good news for the country. So. Well, so here, here's an interesting uh, thought then, because we have, so you might call us what we have as a representative democracy, really, because most things that we get voted on, you know, you and I don't get to vote on. It's the people that we, right. we yeah, vote yeah. to represent us vote on it. But well, and only, and only one House of Congress is that really true, because only in, only in the uh, House of Representatives do we have more of a true representation in numbers-wise of the population. You know, you have, you send put gerrymandering aside for a second, you have a number of people in the Congress are reflected based on population density within different parts of the country versus in the Senate, 
every state gets two senators. So where that's not when you have a state like Montana that has the same representation as California or New York, you know, how is that representative democracy? Yeah, it's, we, yeah we've talked about that plenty of times. Um, yeah, the, yeah, the, the, <laughs> we need, we need to. So, uh, so when does that we, change? We need to combine. We, I would love to see some states just combine. I, that, I think that's, that's the idea. Well, or it's the or, ideal uh, scenario. It's not, it's not, it's not going to happen because you know, who's going to vote for it? Who's going to vote for less representation, right? Right. But, say, well, you know, for, who, Dakotas are gonna, who, who, who living in the Dakotas are going to say, yeah, we should only be one state, honestly, because we only, there's only so many people here. But, but I think that might be harder than I think combining states might be a harder push than maybe rethinking how the Senate works. <laughs> I don't know. I'm not sure, I'm not sure just, which is harder. Because now, now you have a constitutional issue that, that nobody's gonna that still nobody's gonna vote for, right? And you still need people to in in office to vote for that kind of thing, something like that. Right. Um, know, obviously it's always hard for people people don't people in power don't want to vote against their own interest. No, and you see you see that on the left and the and the right. But I should, I should say the center and the right. But I mean, realistically speaking, though, it's like we have, you know, 50 senators because I'm mean, sorry, 100 senators, but we have 500 some odd representatives. So where is the real representation as far as the state goes? Maybe not go to the extreme measures of how many we, Congress people we have, but I think possibly you should realign the Senate to look more of the representation of the country. And how, but yeah, but again, how do you do that without changing the constitution? I don't, you can't. But you can't, it, it, comes, but it comes back to it doesn't mean it can't be done. Right. I mean, there's 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 the, there's the meme out there. It's like conservatives are are literally rallying against democracy because sometimes you you ask a conservative about democracy and they'll say, "Well, we're not a democracy; we're a republic," which is like you said, it's just a form of democracy. Um, representative democracy right it's still it's still democracy is still the goal right yeah it's it'd be silly for us to go out it'd be just inefficient i shouldn't say silly it'd be just so inefficient for us to go out and vote on every single measure right every time a law got 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 brought up to say like all right the entire country is going to vote unless we figured out how to use an app for that (laughs) right that'd be the only way I think we're, you know, we'll be long gone by that, but yeah, but you know, you, we start going, we start talking about things like that. And I think you're really going to see a, a change in the world, not only in the country. You're going to see a change in the world. If more people, the more people, the more you're able to be represented, the better things seem, the, the better things seem to be for people. And that's, that's been out through the history of mankind. Right. I'll also say though, I, I, I mean, now I'm going to sound like elitist. I don't know. Maybe I also don't think we should vote for every single issue that is on the table. Like, Imagine if we had to vote for every single thing that went through. Also, so it's inefficient. That would be so, right? It would be inefficient, and not only that, but you know, some of not everyone is going to be educated enough on every single topic to be able to really make an informed decision. Not even saying our representatives are, but at least you hope that they're going to take more time to read it. Versus if we, you know, hey, let's okay, yeah, let's, let's ask like the five, whole population like of America to vote on health, Obamacare. Who's going to read the thousand-page document? Yeah, that's what I mean. And understand what's in there. Like, if you don't understand legalese, you know, <laughs> if you right. can't read then, beyond a fifth grade reading level, you know. And then you can have, then you can have people who, uh, you know, are going to use that to their advantage and, 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 and lie to people. A lot, you know, a well, lot, I mean, like, that happens already. And, well, England, like, look, look, look at England and Brexit was a great example of how oh, people got God. lied to. And, and they were and totally all the, sold. And all, the, and all the propaganda. And it was like, yeah, this, is, this should be good for us. And it doesn't really seem like much has changed over there. Um, 
I should probably be up on this a little bit more, considering my wife is from England. I think we also uh, maybe just because it happened and then we had a pandemic, so everything's up in <laughs> turmoil. Too. I think it's it's not like balls. you can really you can't really evaluate um, the true effects of Brexit at this point because of the pandemic. Well, yeah, that's yeah. 100%. You know, you didn't you didn't have a long enough time span after Brexit finally took because you know it got voted on a couple of years ago and then it just, it still it just got like they no have a plan though right it still, no. it still doesn't seem they have a they have a plan for Brexit other than the fact that they're they're not in the EU, EU anymore but. which I think is so silly I'm like and, and, and this is probably well, it comes back to individualism right it comes back to well, that, that libertarian idea where it's we we don't need the rest of the Europe to, to succeed I, I always go back to the fact that people like myself and a lot of my friends, you know, I, I read a lot of and watch a lot of sci-fi. So always think about the future. And like, when you look at what futurists write about how the, the world is at the time, it's like, we've, we've abandoned the country aspect of it and we've become one, you know, unified world because we're part of an international community, you know, interstellar community all of a sudden. So having individual states doesn't make as much sense anymore. Right, because um, it's a global. It's a not. A, it's a universal. Yeah, you you become government. a global. You know, you know. Think about like the fifth element. You know, it's like the president of the the world. He's not the president of the country. He's the president of the world, kind of thing. Um, you well, know, I think Star Trek is Star Trek's a great a famous example because yeah. it's a great example of uh, you know Gene Roddenberry's vision of the future. Yeah, it's and, a utopian outlook. Of and, the world. and then you got and then you got new Star Trek. Um, which is a little a little different. <laughs> yeah, it is. But the, the people always forget about Star Trek, though, is to get to that part, we had a third world war yeah, in the canon. You know, there's, you know, we 90s. talk about First Contact, um, you know, the, the movie First Contact, they go back in time to after the third world war to find, uh, oh, it's going to bother me. I can't think of his name now. Zephram Cochran. Like, thank you. Thank you. I was going to be, so, I was like, Trekkies across the world are going to hate me if I can't think of Zephram Cochran's name. I got, I got your back. <laughs> you know, to, to, to meet Zephram Cochran, who invented the first warp drive in America and yes. in, in, the, in the world um, to be but, discovered by the Vulcans. That's why the, that's why the speed of light is called the Cochran. Has... Yes. <laughs> now we're, welcome to the Star Trek podcast. <laughs> Okay, episode one, season episode one. one. We're going to change the oh, format we're, now. We're going to watch the pilot. Star Trek. We'll, we'll Captain Pike. Be, we'll probably be more famous. I have a Captain Pike action figure, actually. <laughs> the yeah. original Captain Pike or the, the one from the, uh, the new series? Uh, the original Captain Pike. I have not I watched the actor's name. I've not watched the Galaxy um, Discovery because I don't pay for CBS All Access. I haven't watched any new Star Trek in forever. I I, I, I will at some point pay for it and just binge like three seasons of it. <laughs> I basically stopped after Voyager. I just rewatched, I watched all of Voyager this last year. It's a good series. I've in the last three years, we're way off topic now. That's fine. Generations. I know we're probably about Star Trek now, we're talking about and, but it makes sense. It makes sense. Cause it's all about futuristic. It's a way to look we're back. At, it, we'll tie it all together. Folks. I got worry. this, but I just want to say in the last three years, I think it's three years. I've watched. I watched it in order, um, chronologically. I think because I no, I I didn't go chronologically yet, did I? Because I went. I watched all of the original series. I watched Enterprise, Next Generation, Deep Space Nine, and Voyager. So I've watched all of it in the last three years. <laughs> so you, yeah, so you should yeah, you should be up on your Star Trek history. Um, so it is it is it is all up in my head. Um, but what's, your favorite, my point, what's your favorite series, real quick? 
so growing up is like next generation is what i grew up watching because like yeah the original series was in reruns but next generations was like the the series yes, that i was old was... enough to like get into um re-watching it all now i still think next generation is where they get it the right the most with gene yeah. roddenberry's vision of it and it's just very iconic you know and also too because it got it, it, it got, it got, it got such a long it got such a long run too i think that it that, yeah that it helps out a lot that because you, you kind of forget about the the not so great episodes Oh well, yeah, I mean, well, and the, 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 the really good episodes really stand out in the next in, in next gen. Well, the, the a series like that always runs into the problem when you have to make twenty six episodes for a season. Yeah, you can't. You're not going to have twenty six excellent episodes every year. You're going to have some sloggers that are just filler episodes. Um, that happens to every series, no matter what series it is. I don't care how good the series is. You're always going to have like a lull. That's that's kind of what's great about the. BBC way of doing things or the Netflix way of doing things is like we can make a series to be the exact amount of episodes we need to be. Right. Doctor Who can be a 13 episodes. It can be 12 episodes. It can be 14 episodes. It doesn't matter. We're going to write the amount of episodes we need for the series. Yeah. And even then I think sometimes people run into, run into some problems. Oh yeah. I mean, like, it's just like the boys. I don't know if you watch the boys. That's, that's I have not great, watched it yet. That's a great series, but it always seems like towards the end of the season, they need to like rush into the finale because I think they, they, they take such a good good time building things up that by the ninth and 10th episode, you feel like, bam, you're at the end. And you're like, whoa, what happened? <laughs> well, so, you know, going back to the Star Trek thing, my point was like, I think people that are of that culture that follow sci-fi and things like that, you know, we look at today, like I look at the, this is why I looked at when I saw the EU and saw like, well, this makes sense. It makes sense to take these small countries. And even if we don't knock down the borders between the countries, but if we at least, you know, unify them in some sense. So we unify them monetarily. We all have one common currency. We've opened up the border so we can, you know, as Americans, we kind of forget the EU itself is physically smaller than America, yeah. you know? So we can go from state to state really our states are like their countries you know luxembourg is smaller than rhode island (laughs) you know i mean yeah and you know even the eu doesn't have as much power as as, you know the federal government here no but so it's just the idea of that we can go that idea yeah the the idea is like okay we we've had our wars against each other whatever now we're unified in some sense we're not going to fight each other we can freely cross borders between each country um, and you know what, because of that, let's have a unified system of, uh, of commerce. So we're not like every time we, you know, again, I went to Luxembourg for a week. Luxembourg is a poster stamp of a country and it's very easy to drive less than an hour and be in France or be in Germany from the center of Luxembourg. Yeah. So, it, you know, think of the idea of like, if I had to go from Connecticut to New York and exchange my money to buy something all of a sudden. It'd just be a mess. It or, like is a, or even like cross a border where it was like you, you needed to stamp your passport. Right, which it was. Um, so the EU makes sense to me, especially as a futurist thinking about, you know, where do we look at 100 years from now? Of course, it makes sense to, for it to be a unified area. Um, and, and I don't, don't kid myself. It's not like anytime soon we're going to be like one president for the whole world. That doesn't make sense anyways at this point. But if we ever become part of an interstellar community, <laughs> not, until the, not until the Vulcans come, not until the Vulcans come, or depending uh, on which uh, sci-fi series you go by, whatever interstellar. And you, all the, you know all these ideologies about coming together and stuff too. Were you know were pre-internet? 
Right. Like these ideas, these ideas happened before the internet and the internet, what the internet has done is just, it's made this world so small. Yeah. And I think, you know, for all the, for all the negatives that the internet has caused, I, I, I still think the internet is one of the, one of the greatest inventions um, for mankind, just because it, it, it has allowed us to communicate with each other. It's allowed people to see how, um, how the rest of the world works. How the rest allowing of the world us acts. to do this right now. <laughs> Allowing us, to, yeah, I mean, <laughs> allowing us to get our, I mean, yeah, we're two, we're two knuckleheads on a, on a computer getting our message out there to whoever wants to listen to it, which is, which is amazing. Like, but the downside to that though, I mean, I'm always going to bring in the negative. I, 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 I have a career being, I have a career being the naysayer in meetings, by the way. I, I have in my entire professional life, I will always be the person in a meeting to come and be like, Hey, don't forget about this thing that we can't forget about. Cause it's the negative part of what we're talking about. Well, people need that. And, and, well, yeah, people don't it's like it sometimes when I'm role. in a meeting, but it's like, guys, you can't, you know, we got to make sure we do the, check these boxes first. Um, the downside to the, the internet, especially what's happening right now in pandemic land is we're just, we we're talking earlier about going to remote schooling. That's great and fine for universities because usually you're going to have the, the money and the bandwidth to do these things. And, and you're going to have students that can afford, you know, either already have computers and can afford the bandwidth or whatnot. The, what's really happening, especially in public school systems, is you're having a very big, you're, you're going to have a very big learning gap this year between people that live in towns like my town, where you have, you know, every kid was issued a machine. My kid just got, they just took his old Chromebook and gave him a tablet yesterday. It's a brand new Acer tablet running the Chrome OS for them to do their work on. So every kindergartner through high school has a device that's issued by the town. And you know, my town's probably, uh, you know, mostly middle to upper class, middle class. So a lot of people are going to have internet access, but you have um, rural, not only just rural areas, but also inner cities where you have big internet gaps where either in, in rural areas, just where the internet was never run because it's too expensive to run it to that one farmhouse. Yeah. And, or even in some uh, urban areas where, you know, you might've bought the house just on the other side of the line of where the fiber ends. And so you don't have high-speed internet at your house because you're a block away from where it ends. Well, not to mention, you know, monetary blocks. Oh, that, yeah, that's the next part. It's like the people that can't even afford it. Right. So you have families that can't afford it. So I've heard so many stories uh, in the past couple of months about uh, families that pack up the car and they drive to the library. They drive to the McDonald's and they Please, hop on yeah, the Wi-Fi while they're again. in the parking lot so they can download the video lessons and then drive back home to watch them on their computers later. I, I, you, you say that. I've heard of teachers having to do that. Teachers. I've heard of people that have, are professionals that have to do that yeah. because they like that example, they, the bought, they bought the house and they found out their house is on the wrong side of the internet line. Right. And, you know, maybe, maybe, the, maybe the positive will come out of this is that we do get a, a wire, um, Oh, losing the word. Uh, well, this is where it needs to become a utility. Yeah, right. Uh, well, well, I don't know what. I don't know where it starts with. I, I how many syllables? <laughs> um, but uh, a rollout of, of this, right? Uh, right. Uh, uh, this is going to be more of a wide a widespread thing, like like it was with cable television, like it was with um, with even telephones back in the day, right? Um, well, it's the thing. FCC made all these things basically utilities, where you know there was a right that everyone should have a telephone line. You know, went from telegraph to telephone, and it was you know it became a utility that everyone needs to have a phone line. Now, what we can't let happen. 
because this is what happened with the, <laughs> with the telephone lines is that the government paid a lot of businesses to, to put these lines down and the businesses sucked up a lot of that money. Well, AT&T owns, owns all the telephone poles. Right. So, but, but, but a lot of those telephone poles were what? technically built by AT&T, but who paid for those? Well, that's my point though. It's like, so even if you're now, and I don't know if they own all of them now, but at one point they basically AT&T owned every single telephone pole in the country. And if you were a company and you want to run lines in the town, you had to pay money to AT&T to run lines on their poles. Right. So they were just raking in money from that. Um, well, I think other countries have a really good way of dealing with like the, the cable rollout. I think that was the word I was looking for too, was rollout. Um, rollout. <laughs> Okay, it's okay, the fact the that these, these, these <laughs> cable companies paid, put cables in the line, but for other companies to use them, they just have to pay a small fee to, to that company who put the lines down, right. which I think is a great way of running things because, uh, I mean, I don't know how it is where you are, but having no competition in, in cable is something that it's going gonna, it's gonna to end up killing cable because now the competition isn't coming from other cable companies. It's coming from internet uh, streaming sources and and, and other other avenues that people can take to get their entertainment so they don't necessarily need cable and it, it's but you still cable, need the cable internet though you still need the wire coming to your house that's so even true. though you're not using um, cable tv you still need to get it somehow that is true so well so but there are, actually, options. There, there are definitely more op, more options for internet than there are for cable though right because well, it's not just cable you can get, you can get slower you can get slower so internet. this is this is like something it. i actually talk about 101 sometimes when i used to teach 101 is that the way it works is you know so in your town, wherever you are across the whole country, you have probably the option of one phone line in your house and one cable company. And the phone line, you can also get internet on, so you can get DSL, which is slower. So, you know, in my area, I can either have Optimum or I can have um, Frontier because Frontier bought up the AT&T service. So I either have the Optimum cable to my house or I have the Fox frontier fiber i call it fox fiber because it's not true fiber all the way basically it still comes down to two copper wires when it gets to your house so it still slows down at the end and it depends on how far away you are from the hub of how fast you get and their service sucks uh, i used to love their service when it was attu verse when they sold it to frontier it just went completely downhill um but you only have two choices because it's expensive to roll run out cable so you know when when all these territories are being dallied up basically a cable company that was already near the area would come in and be like hey we want to run cable service in your area and they pay to run out the old cable now they're already in there so if i already have optimum you know is comcast then going to want to come into the same town and run another set of series of cables to compete because yeah, they want the competition, but it's also, it's just expensive to lay the cable it's out there. Well, right. It's not worth it. Right. And that's, so that's you, and that's why you end up with no competition is because in order to have that competition, they have to run physical cable everywhere and it's expensive for them to run that cable. Right. But is it possible for Optimum to come in and use the same cable that was already laid down? Not necessarily. Pay, pay, whoever, pay whoever laid it down a, a small fee to use it. Cause I think that's how it's done in other places. Well, it's, it's when that. you treat it as utility, it's a little different because then you're choosing service, but you only have so much room on the pipe. Um, you'd I have mean, to rerun, but the problem is we already have the cable run. In order to do something like that, you'd have to tear up cable and rerun all new stuff. Nor would you be able enough. to just use the, the, the existing cable? I don't know that you would be able to run, because then you're talking about running two different 
basically um, programs because you know over that over that pipe you have one company controlling the entire thing of how it's disseminated so their receivers read it a certain way and you're sending all this HD signal down the bandwidth now if you double that up you're you're decreasing the bandwidth that the cable is able to provide and it's just you're going to have and, and you're using different technology so you know it's talking french over wondering. here and this one's talking spanish or whatever yeah, there's a way to do it there's got there's got to be a way to do it but it's it's the the cost of the infrastructure is at this point it's not worth it for the companies to do it right and until it's worth it until either it's legislated that they have to do it or it's cost beneficial for them to do it it will not happen Right, which is where I think that maybe, um, like you so, said, as, as a utility, right, it wouldn't, wouldn't it be great? Like as like, well, as a utility, like, then like towns water, can like make like their own water bill, right? Like because you know we have we have sewers, right? So we have we have we don't use wells, so we have we have a water bill at the end of the end of the every couple of months. I get a, I get a water bill. I mean, how great would it be instead of having to pay you know uh, Spectrum right now? To, I would pay the, the government to to run my internet, my right? Cable. And you know cable. Cable television would be obviously something something separate, but your cable for your internet, I think, if we could run that to every house, that'd be amazing. I mean, you probably need to add more infrastructure to it, right? You need because you would need more cables because you'd have a greater um, population of people using it. But how great would that be if, if everyone had access to high speed internet? I mean, that's the goal. I mean, how, that's... How, would, how would that? How great would that be for the world? That'd be amazing for the world. Uh, because now you have the ability to have information spread. I mean, obviously there's the negative part of it, the terrors of the telephone, you know, one person can spread their misinformation everywhere. But at the same time, we have some people that are disenfranchised right now that, like I said, we have so, a large population of children that are being forced to, you know, learn remotely because of this pandemic and just don't have the access to it. Even the kids that want to do it don't have the access to it because they have slow internet and they can't join the video conferences with their classmates. They can't download the video lesson from their teachers. And so we just have, we're gonna have this gap in education. Now, on the flip side of that, I'm not overly worried about it because when I look at what my kid is doing now in school versus what I remember doing at that age, they are like way beyond what we were doing at that age. Yeah, I, I, that's, so I think they're I think that's, a, that's, that, that's a common thing. I don't think a lot of people realize is that how um, even school advances and like that. And, you know, we we didn't learn as much as the younger generation learns in school. And the we learned how to scribble in kindergarten. He was learning to write words. Right. And well, even that in the previous generation. Right. You look, you go. You, you, I mean, I've seen I've seen jokes about like old high school math tests from like the 40s and the 30s. And a lot of it was like long multiplication. <laughs> Yeah. A lot of that was because, right, cal you didn't have calculators. calculators you were using so a like, slide rule or whatever. Right. So it was like, it, it, you know, it was a lot easier to learn. But now my kid yeah. is like sitting here doing math questions with me every day. He's like, oh, let's do, let's do my math. And yeah, in sixth grade, by sixth grade, he's going to be doing calculus. <laughs> right. It's going to be, it's going to be crazy. And I'm going to be like, crap, I forgot all my calculus. Now I got to brush up on this because I don't remember sine and cosine anymore. I used to be really good at math. What happened? No, you forget. I've forgotten so much math. Oh, so, man. And my, you know, my wife's a math teacher, so I probably shouldn't. <laughs> Just as long as we don't have to do the new math. Oh, stop! Don't don't be one of those. I just I the new the new math. The new math is better. Is it? Yes. 
I, I know it doesn't seem better because I don't understand, understand it. I understand the concept and I, and I learned it at one point and I understand why it's a thing because it helps you think about it more right. broadly. Instead it of just, instead just doing it, you understand things. why you're doing it. Right. And I get that and I understand that. But I also just like be able to stack numbers on top of each other and do a subtraction problem. Bam, that's done. And like, it's oh, easy. It's done. here's, here's my numbers. Let me, let me multiply these and I'm done. <laughs> well, that's the thing. You're eventually going to be able to do that if, if you do the new math. But the, the new math. Um, but yeah, that, but that's the idea too is that um, there's so many people out there that just say like, oh, I don't, I don't get math. I don't understand math. And how many people would have gotten math if they learned it? The way they're learning it now, hopefully right. more. The problem is the adults helping their kids with their homework. Going, I don't, I don't understand any of this. <laughs> well, I, the other problem too is, you know, and we learned a lot in education in the last hundred years, thankfully. And you know, we go back to when we were kids. A lot of it was, and before when we were in elementary school and before, it was a lot about rote memorization. Yeah, it wasn't about learning how to do it and why to do it. It was about just about well, learn your times right? tables, memorize it, and be done with it. There was this and, there was, it was practice, practice, practice. We yeah, it was this huge push when we were younger to, it was about, it was about testing scores. Oh God, it right? still is about we, testing we, scores. That's it still not, is about testing scores, but I think. The greatest thing about this pandemic is that the New York has canceled the regions again. Yeah, for, well, for January. They have not yeah. said anything well, it, about the For January, but still, but, I mean, to me, getting rid of standardized tests um, especially state level and beyond standardized tests. I still think we need assessments in school. There's no doubt about it. Like I want to still check in, do a knowledge test with my kids. But the idea of teaching to the test is the most, as what my opinion as an educator, uh, teaching to the test is one of the most harmful things for education because it doesn't stimulate interest in learning. It, in fact, it is, for some people, it has anxiety. It makes people not disinterested in education. It makes kids not want to do it. And then you're, because you're spending so much time, um, you know, when I did my student teaching, I was in a fifth grade classroom. We spent so much time just trying to shove information in these kids' heads to get ready for this standardized test in fifth grade instead of learning about the things they want to learn about and getting to the part of the curriculum that we need to get to in the history and things like that, we just spent so much time like, okay, let's talk about the life cycle of a butterfly now. Let's, let's talk about the phases of the moon, which are all important things to know about, but to have to push all this stuff down their throats in like a, a you know, in a accelerated way is just like, why are we doing this now? Kids are, you know, the teachers have anxiety, the kids have anxiety and it's all yeah. for some number that's pointless yeah not only that it's like you just said when you know when a, when a kid doesn't succeed on that on that test they're made to feel like a failure right <laughs> instead of right. figuring out instead of figuring out why didn't that well why didn't that kid succeed why what was the issue there they just say oh that kid especially back when we were younger right it was basically oh well you're you're done like i think that like the sats are a great example right how like how much how much pressure do you remember, like, even, like, before we took the SATs, like, growing up, like, how, how in media, like, that was the ultimate, like, test of, um, like, your knowledge, ad ad adolescence, right? right. <laughs> or, like, coming, coming, you know, going into college and, you know, graduating high school, like, how much, like, you, like I said, even before, like, especially, like, in, like, the 80s and early 90s, like, how, like, I remember, just remember the things, like, in media, just 
how the SAT is like the biggest thing in the world, and that's how it, it made. And we, and we it did made our, you feel like your worth was all based on that on that one SAT score. We did our practice SAT tests, and we had our prep courses, and and everything was about SAT because it's how you get into college. And now, twenty years later, thankfully, like, a lot of colleges are like, we don't care about the SAT. Right, which is great. I think it's great. Like we're going we're gonna to look at your academics. We're going to look at your extracurriculars. And we're going to look at the bigger picture. We're not, it's not based on SATs right. anymore. Well, you're good because your intelligence isn't, intelligence isn't based on a score that you, that you took no. one test on. Right? I, mean, I, like, I got a 1080. I, I know that I still know what I got. I got a 1080, um, which is, I guess, average. I don't really know where it stands. I, well, I, got, I, got 12, was the, I don't want to brag. I got 1240. Oh, you know, whatever. It's not perfect, but you know. Hey, well, I, I, I know my reading comprehension was never great. I'm also a slow reader to start with. And so, that's the thing to you. I mean, you don't a slow reader. like that. Like, not even like slow readers, people with dyslexia, people with... Um, it doesn't mean that I'm not a smart person. It no. just means it takes me longer to I read mean, I hope problem. not. You're, 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 Thank you're you. I teach college, right? <laughs> it's like, you, you would think that you have some kind of intelligence. That's the thing. It's like a standardized test does not tell you what you're going to be able to do later on in life. It just tells you this is how we can score you based on this criteria at this moment in time. It's a snapshot of a four-hour period of your life. Right. That's and what the SATs is. And I think we, we know a lot more about like learn, things like learning disabilities and we take things like yeah. that into more consideration than we did. Um, it's like, did you get good sleep last night? Did you even eat breakfast? You know, all these things are going to affect how you take a test too. Oh, my God, yeah. Like I mean, everything like about your, your, social, your social and emotional status, you know. Um, well, that's I, I don't think people realize things like school meals. Like you hear jokes about people, oh, oh the school feeds like three. That's that's a good thing. We should be feeding kids. Like feeding they should kids be getting breakfast. Like make it <laughs> universal breakfast. Like uh, so many kids suffer. Yeah, like you know, so many kids are suffering at home and not. You know, don't first of all don't stigmatize it because they can't afford it at home. You know, people have it rough. Not everyone can afford everything. Don't make it a stigma. And that's why if you make it universal where everyone gets breakfast, it's like, you know, they bring their breakfast to the classrooms. When I, again, when I was student teaching, you know, there were certain kids in the classroom, they got in, it wasn't even stigmatized, thankfully. It was just a normal thing that the kids would get their breakfast every morning. They get in like an apple and a chocolate milk or whatever. And they, it wasn't anything big, but you know, it, it makes a big difference. If your kid comes to school hungry, they're not going to learn. Their brain isn't going to function. And you're right. Thankfully we we've learned so much more, we, we, there's still more, so much we don't know about the brain and the body, but we've learned so much more in the past 20 years that we realize that, you know, if a kid is dehydrated, if they're you know, underfed, that they're just not going to perform uh, mentally to the levels they need to just to be able to listen to the information, sit still in class and, and learn. And that's another thing. We've learned that kids can't sit still all day. Huh, shocker. That we need to get them up and moving every once in a while. You know, the, in elementary school, the idea is like every 15 minutes, you should be shifting to something different. Well, that's a big thing going back to like COVID and, and, and remote learning and especially with the younger kids. Um, how, how appropriate is, is screen time for how many hours a day, right? Like, should, should you have a, should you have a first or second grader in front of a computer for six hours, like learning? Cause that, and that's another, and that's another thing I think back when we, when we were younger, it was, it was about how much effort you put in you should get that in return. And that's not always the case either. Right. right? Well, with the screen time, I mean, I've, I've heard some new things about screen time because it was always like screen time, screen time, screen time is bad. But then New York studies goes, it's about the type of screen time. Like if they're doing something as if, you know, if they're reading on their screen, cause like he gets reading assignments. So there's books 
on the thing. So he's still reading. Um, if you know, it depends. Are they just watching YouTube videos, or are they actually doing something that's engaging? Are they like, you know, doing math problems? Like one of the games that my son is playing now is basically it looks like Pac-Man. If you were I just saw it, it would look like Pac-Man, but basically there's question marks on the board. When the guy eats a question mark, there's a math problem at the bottom, and then the ghosts have different answers in them. And you have to go eat the correct ghost. That's cool. So I love games like that. I and so it's a game, but it's educational. So he's got and it's and it's fast paced. Like there's only five levels, but you gotta like in order to get to the fifth level, you have to be able to like do the problem and then find the ghost and eat it in a certain amount of time. So Yeah, actually the way I learned algebra was playing a game called Algebra Dragons uh, for the Commodore sixty four. <laughs> the and Commodore sixty four way before like I should have known what algebra was, but I remember learning it because <laughs> Oh, I, was, I love the, the Commodore. And it was, I can only do the, the obviously the easier levels where it was like but you know, still, so passion. But I learned algebra like before elementary school, I think. Just but so, yeah, it's it's algebra dragons. It's all about what you're doing with the screen time. You know, yeah, you shouldn't be there all day. And we make it a point like if it becomes an issue where you're going to be upset when I take it away from you, then you're going to get less of it. That's kind of how we view the kids with screen time. But it's also realistic. You know, I grew up in front of the TV screen. I turned out okay. Some would say, <laughs> some, might <argue> <laughs> yeah. some might argue with that. I don't know, but well, I think you know, you know, you know, speaking about you know generation generationally, which is I think the whole idea about this behind this podcast is no um, <laughs> is um, yeah, I mean the you know, people our age did, especially in the eighties, it was basically the the first generation to be like plop down in front of the TV. Yeah, because we, we had it. We had hours and hours, and we had so right. Because we haven't. And then we had the Cartoon Network. Like we have now, and then we have we had we had with cable. You had channels dedicated towards kids programming all of a yeah. sudden. So you had Nickelodeon. You had a Cartoon Network. You had places where you could literally parents could be like, okay, I know they're not going to watch anything bad on this channel any time of the day. Yeah, there's this um, YouTube video called uh, channel called Pop Arena. Which is does a series called Knickknacks. Basically, he's going through every Nickelodeon television show and doing a piece. Jesus. It's like almost like a half-hour wow. video on every Nickelodeon television show, and just the way Nickelodeon came to be in existence is a pretty interesting story in itself. So check that out. You can't do that on TV. That was one of their bigger episodes. I, I don't know. <laughs> it was a great show. It was like laughing for kids. Um, it basically was. You know, it was. It was. Of, I think a, a lot of the. A lot of the inspiration came from laughing. Even some of the writers, I think, might have came from laughing, if I remember correctly. But it was a poop joke, sketch comedy show for kids. Barf. Yeah, yeah. You Bring had, back. Yeah. You can't do that on television. That's what we need. Oh to man, you have you had barf. You had slime on everything. You had the locker sketch. I love the locker sketch. Well, the that came jokes. from laughing, right? Right. Yeah. Remember laughing with the, with with the, the cubes, the, the, right. the, 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 um, the joke wall at the end of the episode. That kind right. Of, so they basically right. It, it was basically laughing for kids. It's like, yeah, you're right. People said laughing was great for adults. Let's make a kid's version of it. And we'll throw in some fart jokes. Because who doesn't love a good fart joke? Those crazy Canadians, I'll tell you what. Oh, man. And Lance Morissette was on it. Briefly, yeah. Briefly. She, 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 I think she gets attributed to that show a lot more than she was actually on it. But, right. Because that's like the trivia. Oh, Lance Morissette was on that. But honestly, I don't even remember her on the show. No, I don't either. I, you know, I, get, but I, I remember, remember a lot of that show. I remember just like I remember the set and I remember the scenes like barf and things like that and the slime. Um, I used to watch that all the time. That was a great, great show. show. <laughs> I used I to watch should, laugh all the time. I think we should end. I think we should end on this positive note. Yeah, let's stay positive. Let's like let's it. bring back good 
kids program. I mean, there is actually a lot of good kids program programming as a as a parent who has to sit down and watch kids programming. There is some good stuff out there. As as a forty year old man without any kids, I will say there's some really good kids programs out there, <laughs> especially on the Cartoon Network. Like, you know, I got, I kind of like stopped watching Adventure Time for a while, but that was a good show. Hey, big! I love Big City Greens. I haven't heard that one. I think it's on Cartoon Network. It's it, it's a fun show. Um, Teen Titans Go. Teen Titans Go is was it's amazing. Good. That's why yeah. that's a, I love I love the movie. I, I just love that show. But you know, big big city greens. I highly recommend. Um, it's a fun show. All right. So positive note. Positive note. Kids programming is still good. You know, it's good. And what's great about kids programming? Good kids programming will always have jokes that are good for kids and adults. So so go check that that's, stuff out. That's always good. Even so, if you're an adult, go watch some kids programming, <laughs> and and tell us what you think. And hopefully by next week, we'll have a concession. Doubt it. But Probably not. All right. Fingers crossed. Have a good week, um, everyone. Hopefully next week we'll just have an answer, <laughs> right? We'll, maybe we'll have like an official, like, okay, these, these official, official. We'll have democracy. Good luck. I'm fighting for it. All right. Take Bye. care, folks.